Hello, hello guys. Welcome to Movies After Work. Not your normal episode right now. And two episodes has been a lot to listen to just me talk. I get it. I understand. So for today, brought in one of our good friends and regulars on the show. It is Andy from Geek Salad. Hey, and for some odd reason, I want to move my show to Anchor, Tom. Can you tell me more? <laughs> they just listen to me talk about it. I don't want to put them through that again. <laughs> I got I to gotta, I gotta earn those pennies. <laughs> it's been the most fascinating experiment to add an ad to the front of this. Yeah. Oh, it, 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 to me now, that would just be like editing 101. I, I'm so, I, I like. I still have last week's recorded episode staring me in the face that I have to edit, <laughs> and it's a music episode, so, and it's a two-parter, um, so it's a lot. Oh and yeah. I'm just staring at this like I I don't want to do this. It's like my least favorite part of of podcasting because we have set the precedent for how many drops we put into a show, and I'm just like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to be lazy. I just want to. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't. I. I would love to claim that we were lazy and not just obtuse to to how the whole thing works is the reason why this yeah. show is a generally unedited show. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, in this one instance, where lazy is the better option. I just I can't take that kind of credit. <laughs> Well, you know, my show was celebrating its 13th uh, year this summer. And I, I feel like at that point, I want to come August of this summer, I am just going to tr- just treat my my production responsibility like a the petulant teenager that I want to be. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> You're not my mom. Yeah, exactly. You're not my real podcast host. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. Visit Podbean. Hmm. I was, I was shaking my fist at Podbean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my was my was my real parent <laughs> when they went under. Well, hey, can, congrats on the fact that you're about to hit 13 years. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, if for some strange confusing reason there is somebody listening to this show that has not heard of geek salad tell them about it well as i just mentioned uh we are going on 13 years of nerdly goodness um with no evidence to back this up at all we are the longest running uh, geek podcast on the internet um i would honestly love to find the person who's like yeah asshole i've been around for 13 and a half years <laughs> and we're still doing it um, and then I want to know what your secret is. I, uh, we, we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, it's me and my co-hosts, uh, Mike, Catherine, and Joe. And we also have brought back our original co-host, uh, Mike C. Uh, we have Record Talk with Todd. We have so much going on right now. Uh, we just last week recorded our episode on fictional bands. And it was a social media darling, so we decided to uh, break it up into two episodes because our social media blew up on it. <laughs> so part one is all the social media feedback, and part two will be, um, be be our picks. 
And outside of that, you know, other projects that I've been doing, um, oh, I listen to your show all the time. And in fact, I believe I've been called out on a number of occasions towards like around the hour and a half mark with, okay, so right now I know the only person listening is Andy right now. And, and that's when I actually have to message you like, yes, time, I'm still listening. Yeah. It might have taken me three days to get to the show, but yes, I'm, I'm still listening. I... There, there are times when we record this show where in the back of my head I'm going, I really hope that this is funny enough to make Andy laugh, but not so funny that it makes him, like, screw up the lines in his mowing while he's doing his yard work. Because <laughs> it all, I don't know what it is. Well, actually, lately, um, it's on the day that I have to go. You, you, you've been launching episodes on the days when I am solely responsible for driving my daughter to and from school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my wife will go to work, and my son has to be in the car with me, so I can't rightly listen to this show. Yes, you're old in the car. Uh, I I try to I pride myself on my parenting skills, <laughs> and um, yeah. So now it's been like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll listen to this at work. I'll do it on my walk. I'll do it whenever. But yes. Uh, it, because the summer, it's now summer. Yes, it's all all. You always will launch right when I'm about ready to do a whole lot of outdoor activities. Yeah, I, I, I am flat because that's when I do a lot of my listening as well as when I'm doing yard work. Uh, basically, just due to the fact that I've I've been Mister Mom for a few months now, so I yeah. don't really have any other opportunity to listen. So. But, yeah, God, if, if there's anyone who hasn't actually listened to Geek Salad yet, make sure you do. They're fantastic. Uh, they also have a great YouTube show that they'll do. Um, they've been discussing a lot of Pixar movies lately, which has been some fantastic discussions that I've been making sure not to be a part of, just because my, my thoughts on some of the movies are well-known. I'm not going to lie, I really want Alex to join us for uh, The Good Dinosaur. I I feel like if you and I work hard enough, and he's got that point in time free, we can try to get him on just so that way the world can watch the blood boil. Yes. I want want that to happen so badly. Uh, We are taking a break next week, though. We're, We're taking a break from Pixar because... Whenever a Cars movie comes up, we have to take a break from it, and uh, we're we're supposed to be doing Cars too. It's the next one in the in the list, but I just don't want to. Uh, so we're going to be covering um, season one of Modoc instead. Oh, there you go. So there you go. I won't have you. I won't have you spoil your thoughts too much, so that way people have a reason to tune in. Um, exactly. But, but yeah, I just I I it was like a day or two ago. I I finally finished. Uh, get my way through the the season as well. So I will say that I will be bringing Modoc up a lot in our conversation tonight. Just full disclosure that you know he would be very happy to know that he was coming up in conversation. You know, he brings up his own own name during sex, so I <laughs> guess that's. Uh... I I want to know if there's a single. I feel like I I don't know if there's a single comic book villain that I could look at and go, you don't talk about yourself in the third person during sex. I feel like every single one of them I could I could throw under the bus with that assumption. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I still want to know if they if they are if every comic book villain is responsible for pouring their own brandy into those cut crystal decanters, or if they have staff to do that. I feel like they have one specific staffer that's in charge of doing that, but they're dressed like everyone else. Like they they're ready to go just in case, but mainly they're there just to do like pouring brandy, you know, right. mo- moving the cat from the lap of the villain back to its cage, like just those little details, you know. Yeah, it's not even it's not even brandy either. It's just like brown liquor. Yes. <laughs> no clear <laughs> liquids for villains. I'm revealing my evil plan. Excellent. There's, if you're, yeah, and with the exception of the occasional female villain or super, super rich villain, it's always dark liquids. Occasionally, <laughs> occasionally you get, like, um, occasionally you get a dirty martini for, for, like, a really rich villain, and you get plenty of gin and tonics, it seems, for, for female villains. I don't know, uh, it's, it's, it's very, like, old school Russian sexism. There, it is, but, but, you know, here we are. Yep. <laughs> but, guys, if you're wondering why villains are on our minds so much, it's because uh, tonight's episode, we are going to be talking about one of our favorite things, Batman villains. Um, now, that we're going to be talking about the villains that we want to see the most on the big screen, but before we dive into that, just like any good movie, it's there's some trailers that need to be talked about. And, of course, we have to start with the big trailer of the week. The one that everyone has been talking and fighting about all week on Twitter. Escape Room 2. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, that It's it's a movie. And it still looks better than one. Make it, sure to subscribe to Tubi just so I can <laughs> get that a month from now. I'm going to watch that movie and the only thing in my head the whole time is going to be Still better than when I ran an escape room. I would still choose what they're going through. So, but no. Guys, we got uh, we got the teaser trailer for The Eternals. Oh, yeah. And retroactively, drastically tra- changed a lot of people's views and opinions of what should be in a teaser trailer. I, yeah. Uh, so many people that normally are, you know, like, the the people that you normally see randomly just out of the blue go, is anyone else sick of teaser trailers that spoil too much of the movie, that reveal too much of what's happening, where you feel like you know exactly how the movie plays out just from watching the trailer? And then this trailer came out and they all went, that wasn't enough information. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted where's more. Spider-Man getting, where's Spider-Man getting captured? <laughs> it, oh. or, or the other, you know, there's probably like that other set that's like, yeah, this is great and all, but how much closer are we getting to turning Captain America evil? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it, I am, to, to very, very quickly veer into the lane and then right back out of it, the complaints about this very visually appealing trailer that did what most people say they want a teaser trailer to do 
getting all these complaints baffles me, given the fact that it seems like it wasn't that long ago that we had people going completely apeshit over the Zack Snyder Justice League trailer, which was 90% stuff you've seen because it was footage from the cut you saw three years ago. <laughs> so for them to then see this trailer, that's really what most people say they want in a teaser trailer, and I know because people were praising the Dune trailer, and someone tell me how this is any different. Everyone was everyone who praised the Dune trailer was then bitching and moaning about this one for all the things they were praising the Dune trailer about, and it was just so much forehead slapping. Yeah, it's well. I mean, there there is the the Denny Villeneuve like fan base that will praise absolutely everything that dude touches. Yes, and you know me, I'm, I am the world's biggest Dune apologist. I can't. <laughs> Quite frankly, I'm so happy it's coming back to HBO Max, uh, so you you don't have an excuse. Uh, so then we can discuss <laughs> we can discuss it. But you're you're right though. It's like I got. When, I remember I told you about the Eternals trailer. I was like, "Hey, are we going to cover the Eternals trailer?" And you were like, "There's an Eternals trailer." Yeah. And you watched it, and your response immediately after was, "Well, that's a relief. Thank God." <laughs> because it, visually, it's it looks beautiful. Yes, I think Chloe Zhang did a fantastic job with these little bits and pieces we've seen. I, I think the costumes look cool, mm-hmm. and I, I'm really digging the fact that I don't know what's going to happen. I really just I love being given like these little tastes of things, but there will be you know I, I think we're just spoiled. You know, we expect like we get the trailer for the trailer. And then we get the oh, we get the trailer for the yeah. teaser, and then we get the, te- the 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 teaser, and then we'll get the trailer, and then we'll get a second trailer. About fifteen and teaser spots. It just like it just it steamrolls, and I don't even think that a second trailer, like big, a longer, like three and a half, four minute trailer, is going to tell us that much. I think they want you sitting there in the theater mm-hmm. uh, just to absorb everything and then absorb another one of these great MCU hold my beer moments. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, well, we understand DC only gets its fringe characters right. Uh, Still can't do Batman or Superman, but hey, we just put out this thing about the Eternals. Are you familiar with the Eternals? No. Well, then. (laughs) Well, and this, if this, even just choosing to do this movie is the biggest flex that Kevin Feige has done in the history of Marvel Studios. Granted, that is a small space of time, but this is the biggest flex. Because, yes, we've had plenty of characters we don't know that have shown up in the MCU. We have, we have, you know, we've made people fall in love with a talking tree and a talking raccoon. We have done all of this stuff. We have, you know, we have we have done some insane things. We've turned Captain America into this incredibly popular instead of annoying character. You know, we've we've yep. done so many things, but we're literally 
taking characters now that have that the comics have never never fully figured out how to integrate them or make them work and we're going let's make a movie yep they we're we're taking something that has technically barely worked at best in in its existence and going let's make a movie and yeah. i mean we've got yeah we've got the amazing you know we've got the, these amazing visuals because like i've said before on the show you know chloe has this inhuman gift of catching nature at visual moments that most directors have to digitally create yes like it's one like people kept like passing around the the kevin feige saying like this isn't cgi this is real and you could tell the people that had seen nomadland or i think it's called the rider but i'm probably getting it wrong um but you could tell the people who had seen her movies before and who hadn't because watching nomadland all i could i kept thinking like how do you time out these these moments in nature in this movie and sure enough we're seeing clearly seeing that again with this movie oh i i absolutely agree i think that the vistas that we've seen so far look fantastic i i like too that while there is you know there's a fair deal of cgi in there mm -hmm. it it still looks very very realistic um and, and, and that's just with the two minutes that's like with a with the two minutes taste of what's going to happen so if if, if close out can can pull this off and essentially it'll be the same thing like guardians of the galaxy it's just like we're gonna we're gonna sit there we're gonna watch it and i get the big question comes down to are we gonna after it's all said and done after the credits roll and we we stick around for that lap you know for the the bumper do we then go i can't believe they just pulled this off yeah. Right now, I'm leaning that way because I think visually it looks fantastic. Um, the, the 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 larger, like the more reputable actors in this, aren't that recognizable. I like had to go to IMDb afterwards to remember that <laughs> Angelina Jolie and Salma yep. Hayek are in this movie. Yep. You know, I remember that Richard Madden and Kit Harrington are both in it. Um. And I didn't even know who Richard Madden was playing. And then they're like, oh, yeah, no, he's, um, Lord, what was the character's name? Yeah. Icarus. I'm, yeah. Who is blonde in the comic books. So it's kind of, that's, you know, someone's going to get pissed off about that. Oh, I'm sure. But, oh, yeah, exactly. There's, there, well, the, unfortunate, like, unfortunately, this is like a buffet table of things for online trolls to, to hate in a, in their comic book movie. So yeah. There's well, a buffet you know, table of it here for them. Racial diverse cast. Yeah. Um, you know, they've been around forever, but what would they do during infinity war? <laughs> I literally like it's, I don't know. Have you seen the movie yet? Like, <laughs> I have. Like, <laughs> If you've seen the movie and they don't explain it, sure, complain about it. Otherwise, shut up. 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't, like, everyone's trying to be so cheeky about that, and there's, yeah, and every, it's, everyone's, like, for, like, you know, and it was one of those things for me of, like, you know, Doctor Strange came out, and barely a whisper of that, because people were still kind of, everyone was still kind of in the MCU high, but we're yeah. getting to this point now where there's been such this lull that we've got people that are so starved for going back to the theater that it's almost like they're turning on anything pop culture-y. Yeah. Like, because people have been able to control their their intake, it hasn't been just going to see what's at the theaters and having fun. It's been, I can sit at home and go through, like, all of these movies that I could have watched before but didn't until the pandemic. And so now, now you get people that are starting to, like, turn, like, turn towards, turn away from anything that's embracing it being just fun movie time stuff for some strange reason. Yeah. Um, hey, I, I will, I will die on the hill right now that in July when black widow comes out, the audience reaction to the simple MCU logo is going to blow the roof off of my local theater. Oh, I guarantee you people are like to be able to go into a theater and see that and know that it's a new movie is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and that's the, and that's the other thing that, that I think people should remember is that we might be getting literally, like almost literally nothing in this eternal teasers trailer because we haven't established something yet. You know, watching, we might watch black widow some, you know, there there might be something that comes out before Eternals that we have to see, and then once we've seen it, then they can be like, boom, here's... You're about to see that this is connected. Yeah. Um, there, there are three, literally three properties coming out prior to Eternals being released. Mm-hmm. So Black Widow, Loki, and Shang-Chi, any of them can... Um, can kind of just set the, they might, it might actually be starting to set the table for the Eternals. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in, in some kind of minor way. I just, it, when I was watching the teaser, this is, I, I was getting serious Black uh, Black Panther vibes. Oh yeah. Off that they oh, yeah. are, they're starting again with the world building and because, you know, Chloe Zhao is the first director of a Marvel movie who was an Academy Award winner. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, I think that's going to carry a lot of clout, you know, and I'm not going to try, I don't prognosticate Oscars, but I yeah. have, it's like one of those things that this, could this be the one? There's, there's a whole new weight to this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah, and it's, I mean, the, the, the amount of territory that we are crossing new with the with Eternals is vast, and so it's this is one that's going to be hard to judge outside of the whole of its parts once you've sat down and watched through the whole movie. Yeah. Um, 
and it might even be longer than that. You know, if if the Infinity Saga taught us anything, it's to not not write everything off just as a plot hole. Yeah. That sometimes, sometimes you have to be patient, and that they're not going to just, you know, they're not going to rush through to get you to the big stuff right away. You know, they're going to, they're going to take their time. They're going to put in their work. You know, because again, Marvel, the Marvel movies have found a way to kind of transcend living only like transcend the concept of film rules or TV rules and blend them together. And that's where the strength has been. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. With, I really couldn't agree more with that. I think that is spot on. Um, and I'm just, I'm just looking forward to it. And I really just, and again, just after the spring we've had with, uh, the, the Zack Snyder's justice league, I just, I want Marvel just back in all of its glory. Like, oh yeah, well, yeah, Snyder Cut was great, but how much money did didn't it lose subscribers for HBO? I could care less. that. Um, but yeah, all in all, in all, I'm looking forward to seeing a full trailer. I'm in, I'm expecting we'll probably see the full trailer in front of Shen Chi. Oh, that's I think I think if we're going to see it. I think that's the earliest we can hope t- to see a full trailer for right. this one is gonna is gonna be then, um, but regardless, it's gonna be, you know, the, I still just I also love the fact that while yes, the technical leader of this group is Madden, uh, mm-hmm. they've said that um, Gemma Chen's character is going to be like the pivotal one. Yeah, it's her. It's her story. It's, it's she's the one leading everything through it. Yeah. So you're you're viewing this from her point of view. Yeah, because basically Feige loves her as an actress, and by the time Captain Marvel was done, was like, yeah, um, we 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 could do better with how much screen time we give you. You're gonna come back for something else. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, which I love that he did that. It's just doing those little things like that that are, they're fantastic. But, um, but besides that, we really, until I think Spider-Man, I don't think we have anything that is a, that's just a flat out white male superhero property from Marvel. Nope. Coming out. Because we might get, I think we might get Hawkeye before Spider-Man, but even that's, the focus of that is training the new Hawkeye, who's a female. Right, right. Yeah, that's actually, I'm very curious about that now. When does Hawkeye come out? Because um, I I didn't think that was set for this year. I thought that was set for next year. It might be, and I'm just, my memory might be on the rails. Who knows? Yeah, but, you, but you are right, though. It's like Spider-Man, which we, we've seen... Not, I didn't even know they were done filming it. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen Nary a peep about it. And that's going to be the same kind of thing. We're just going to see people bitching and moaning about... Um, oh, this is... The, yeah, this is an old article. Because it says it was going to be out April 13th, 2021. 
Oh, so uh, yeah. so Hawkeye's wrapping up. What'd you think? <laughs> I thought it was. I, you know what? It it, it kind of sits in the middle for um, between you know WandaVision, which was just groundbreaking television, and Falcon Winter Soldier. You know, it had it had moments, but I, the fact that they that Jeremy Renner apparently just bullied the production uh, into making him uh, sing a song at the end of every episode was just that, that was really great. I thought that was weird. I thought it was brave of them to uh, to break the old the golden age rule of no zombies and have zombie Black Widow be the villain. I thought that was a really brave choice. Yeah, I know. Seriously, it was just it was really cool too because I just I, I loved that one episode that he just sat in uh, you know in the tattooing chair for the full hour. <laughs> I really hope this episode does, doesn't age poorly. <laughs> we're we're going to be sitting there watching the show, texting each other, going, God damn it, how were we right on all this? What the hell? Oh my God, they're letting him do the dad rock. Why? <laughs> oh, it's like, it's like that Lemony Snicket show. They're letting him do a different song at the beginning of every episode. What is wrong Whoa. with them? Oh man, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, I. Out of all of them, I'm still the most excited for Spider-Man, just because there's a lot of potential there, and because ever since I was three years old, Spider-Man's my favorite superhero. Uh, so gotta give it. So, but I'm just, I'm just so thrilled that I have four Marvel movies to see, like with friends, in a theater, very, very soon. Absolutely. Oh, can't wait. Absolutely. And I might actually get a Bond movie, too. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? You never know anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Just not holding out too, too much hope for anything. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and then I, I did want to touch on it real quick just because I know we had talked about it because, you know, we've talked Pixar on here before and because we're both dads. Um Disney Plus it has a new series coming out next month, I believe, uh, and it is Monsters at Work. It, this is a, ser- a sequel series to Monsters, Inc. It takes place six months after the events of the original Monsters, Inc. film. Um, every, all It's all original returning voice actors plus some, some new people. Um, we're getting our second workplace show starring an awkward Ben Feldman. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, he'll be he'll be in there as um, he's I'm I'm 98 percent sure that's his voice at the at the beginning of the or coming out of the, the one monster. But, yeah, we've got I mean, there. Like I'm, I'm going through the the cast list right now just because I want to make sure I don't forget anyone. We're even getting Bonnie Hunt back as the trainer, yeah. but yeah, we've got uh, Mindy Kaling, Aisha Tyler, Ben Feldman, Henry Winkler, um, of course, um, John Ratzenberger is coming back as the Yeti. So maybe, maybe, maybe he got his uh, his being banished for for male tampering. Maybe he's maybe yeah. that maybe they lifted that. Um, we're also getting uh, Kelly Marie Tran 
is also yep. going to be in the show. I'm trying to figure yes. out. I'm curious who some of these people are playing, just because if you go on IMDb, Mindy Kaling and Kelly Marie Tran are both credited as playing Val Little. The only thing I can think of with that is that it might be a two-headed monster. And that's what I'm wondering, if we're getting something like yeah. the Dave Foley, Sean Hayes character. Right. I I kind of feel like, watching the teaser, I, I, I feel like Billy Crystal and John Goodman are, are in it just enough to say that they were in it. I, I, I really feel that every episode is going to focus more on these newer characters, just based on what I saw in the, in the teaser. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, we obviously have, um, them, you know, cause Sully, Sully learning how to run the place is going to be an interesting, will be an interesting world to explore because there's definitely going to be, you know, if we're keeping the if we're if we're keeping the continuity of Monsters University in there as well, which I would assume we are, um, yeah, you know he's been pretty he's pretty much self appointed himself as not a leader for his adult life. So for him to now be running Monsters Inc. that's that's putting him well out of his comfort zone. Yeah. So I I hope that it's not just like little bit cameos. I'm hoping we really get a storyline with him because that to me would be a very interesting place. I think it's I think if they're smart about it, it's totally possible for them to give equal time as an ensemble. Again, just like Ben Feldman's last show, Superstore, where when episodes weren't overly focused on Amy hating everything. Um, everything was really well balanced. So, but I mean, regardless, it's, I trust it. I think it's going to be fun. It'll, as much as I love the monsters movies, it'll be nice to have something else to turn on with Mike and Sully in it for my yeah. kid. Yeah. I, I, I feel like there's definitely more of a story to be told and, their kids' shows have been fun, and I just, I, the, the last time we were kind of given something where it was like, okay, we're going to see the characters of Pixar, and we're going to get all the original voices back, it was the popcorn shorts. Yeah. And those are pretty much, other than the stuff with uh, Key and Peele playing their characters from Toy Story 4, mm-hmm. they are silent. There is no dialogue at all in them. Yeah. So it's like, why, why, why are you lying to me about this? <laughs> Yeah, there's not a lot of talking in those, but the, but they're still fun. They're still fun. They're still good. Um, when when Pixar lets itself just goof off and be silly, yeah, we we get some. I think that's when we get their best stuff. Is when they allow themselves to be silly. Yeah, I oh I agree with that absolutely. So, but that being said, guys. We want to dive into some Batman villains because we just spent a lot of time praising Marvel. No no question about that. But I think there's also no question, no debate, that when it comes to Marvel versus DC, the better rogues gallery lives in DC. I think that's a fair statement. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I would say that it is a fair statement. Um I have some thoughts, but continue. 
Well, I I would say I would argue that DC's, with the exception of maybe with the exception of Flash, DC's villains, unlike Marvel's, are a little more variety and a little less. I'm a evil version of you. Yeah. Um, which we've definitely seen that be an issue with some of the Marvel movies themselves. Again, being, you know, being completely fair to all this stuff, but you know, when people, if you're going to ask people to list villains, you know, it'd be a little bit different these days because the MCU, but if you ask random Joe on the street to name some comic book villains, they're naming, they're going to name a handful of DC villains before there's any chance they're going to name a Marvel one. I fully agree with that. I will. I am just going to set the table right now and just state that I can go the rest of my life without ever seeing the Joker show up in a, mo- a live action movie ever, ever again. I, I am willing to have him in another Batman. Like if if these Robert Pattinson movies. You know, if it becomes movies, plural, and not just a singular one, if it becomes a series, I am fine with the Joker showing up at some point, but I want it way down the line. I want, I want to earn the Joker. I want Batman to earn the Joker. It's like what we were talking about earlier. I don't want you to just give me the goods right out the gate. I want to earn them. Like, I'll give a little bit of a handicap to the 89 Batman because comic, you know, like all that comic book stuff for the mainstream was still not super, super common knowledge. So putting him against his big baddie made a certain amount of commercial sense. Yeah. But I, I still throw it on the table with the others, with the exception of the 1960s Batman one, because Cesar Romero's mustache Two, we had had enough of the Joker in the series to actually have, quote-unquote, earned him. Right. So, I do make that stipulation. And there's never... there. The the answer to would you like more of the Mark Hamill Joker is, is always... Why did you stop giving me any to begin with more? Right, right. I, I will say, though, that Alan Fudgick's Joker from Harley Quinn is fantastic oh, yes. because you, yes. the, the the influence is certainly there. The influence of Mark Hamill is just on the page. It's just on the screen the entire time. The the influence is there, but it's also still so original. Like I actually as it's crazy to think, but I couldn't see Mark Hamill doing that Joker on that show. Right. Like, as weird as it is to say that, because of how influenced it is, there's something about where Alan Tudyk takes it that's just so strong. But that's also a Harley... That's also a show about Harley Quinn. It's not about Batman, so it's, you know, you have to have Batman right there, or have to have Joker in there right out the gate, so... Yeah. Um, but... You know, the the unfortunate thing is, you know, we get so many Batman movies, and we've barely scratched the surface. 
of of the Batman villains. And even with some of the ones we've gotten, we've barely scratched the surface on what we could do with them. Mm. So, for you guys today, we are we each made our list of our top five Batman villains we want to see in a live-action movie. Um, now, for these, we, we made it about that it either has to be a character that was misused in a film, we gave ourselves that, or just has not been in a live-action film outright. Um, obviously, there were going to be characters that we left out, Joker being the primary one. Um, <laughs> so if you don't hear, if the ones that come to your head, you don't hear us say right out the gate, then get, you know, get ready to go on Twitter and, and whine about it. My response is probably going to be some sort of gif of somebody shrugging. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know, so I know for myself, just because it's where my brain goes, I did do a little bit of casting for some of them. One of them I couldn't for reasons that'll become clear. Um, mm -hmm. So if you want to hear my casting choices, you're, you're welcome to it, but... Um, but it wasn't required. It's just me going above and beyond with, with my free time as Mr. Mom, as always. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but let's hear what's, what's your number five. All right. So my number five, and this is, it's already been kind of precast and unfortunately this will never happen, but, uh, Billy D. Williams, as Two-Face. I feel like we were never given the proper story. And in my, you know, in, in my inner mind workings, I actually came up with a story called Batman 1990, mm. where, where um, you, it, it turns out that uh, Bob the Goon from, from Batman 89 survived being shot your point blank range from the Joker. My goodness. And in order to in order to actually get the Joker's inner circle, he is um he's been placed in like witness protection. And the only person who knows where he is is um Harvey Dent. However, you know, the, the mob gets to gets to Bob as well and as he is convalescing in in his hospital room Denton goes to visit him, and Bob has been given acid to kill Harvey Dent, mm. but that does not happen. Um, but it turns, you know, it does. It does the same kind of thing that the comic book does, where he is turned insane. It's just the the fact that he someone got so close to him made him paranoid and insane. And this just Keaton Keaton's Batman, well. He, like this Batman is inter working on innovating his suit so he has a little extra movement in it <laughs> and not just one kept in a big safe. Um, it's where you see Vicky Vale you know, just give up that he's never going to give up Batman. And yeah, I just, I, I created this whole thing. And I love, it. Um, I love it. That she actually falls that um that 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 two face finds her, kills her, and then as kind of like a sick gift, sends half of her back to Bruce. 
Could still be done animated. I'm just, I'm just saying. I, but uh, <laughs> I, I, you've got me sold. You've sold a ticket. There, there's no question about that. Yeah, um, I, I just felt like Billy Dean Williams never got that chance to flex, and I think that he would be because he's always been a hammy actor. He, he's yeah. always kind of had that hamminess about him. But yeah. I feel it would it, it would be far more restrained because his laughs don't go beyond a ha 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 than like Tommy Lee Jones, who essentially was just doing. <laughs> oh, can you just do Jack Nicholson and Jim Carrey at the same time? It was like he hated Jim Carrey, so he was mocking Jim Carrey, and they recorded that and used that and in the you film were instead. Just like, you know what? I love I love the energy you're bringing right now to this. <laughs> I it's yeah. It says while while there's a part a part of me will always love Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever just because it was like it's so clear that his favorite roles have to be his villain roles because they always seem to be so much fun for him. But, oh yeah. But it says so much that he is more cartoony than Billy D. Williams is in the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> it speaks. It speaks volumes. Um, yeah. So, but but yeah, I actually Two Face was actually my number five as well. So ah. that's a fun surprise. Um, now, as a disclaimer. I actually, back when um, the the Dark Knight came out, uh, I outlined my own Batman movies and I sent them to you. Um, so you've kind of seen where my madness goes with these characters. Yeah. Um, but for for my Two Face, I actually went with Bob Odenkirk. Ooh. I think. He would be fun, and we've we've kind of seen him in in multiple projects now. Live in a sort of yin yang sort of like personalities. So I th I think he's just I think he's perfect for that role of being someone who's charming, a tad on the sleazy side, and then just kind of like. You know, it's it's sort of like um, Michael Chiklis's character on the Shield. Whenever he's stuck in the church, where he's just this—he's a dog. You know, he's this rabid dog on a leash, and then whenever he's let loose, he becomes Two Face, sort of thing. Um, to me, that's you know, that's always how I kind of see Two Face. But I'd like to see some more time with him as Harvey Dent, so that way that transition into Two Face lands. But also see a Two Face where I'm not sitting there going, "Well, he died ten hours ago from infections because he's literally just like <laughs> he literally just looks like the chicken shop guy from Breaking Bad after he got half his face blown off." And that dude realized he was dead for some reason. Harvey Dent hasn't realized it. <laughs> they had the exact same facial in injuries, and yet they each had a different acceptance of their of their new reality. Um but yeah, so who's who is your number 4? All right. So my number 4 is Riddler, but Riddler inspired by Corey Michael Smith's Riddler in um Gotham. 
Okay. Uh, much more grounded. There's more of a maniacal part to him where he, he, the, um, the, the riddles that he comes up with are more like a, it's something that just centers him and it's a coping mechanism, but he is very awkward with people. He just, he can't, just like the way that he is able to interact with people is just is it's uncomfortable for him, mm-hmm. and to be able to kind of bring that out where it manifests into murder, I I I really like that aspect of the character again because it's it's not another Joker light style character. I feel like he actually has to come across with having a lot of different intellect a, a very different brand of, of intellection mm-hmm. that isn't so much um manifestly uh sociopathic but can be if it needs to be yeah yeah he's yeah when you use him right he there is something so fun about him um and the the tension you can create just from nothing yeah and I mean, he even in like the 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 Riddler in I think it was the Long Halloween, who was just kind of like he's just sitting on the sidelines and he knows all the answers, um, and because he's dying, it doesn't matter. He doesn't. He's got nothing to lose if he if he gives the answers or he doesn't give the answers. And mm-hmm. I, I really I admire that in that character. Yeah, that would and that would be an inter- I mean that would be an interesting place to go with him. Um obviously it's not where you'd want to start with him, but it'd be an interesting direction to go in with him. Um so yeah, that's I mean yeah. That yeah, that I I would love to see cuz I'm yeah, I'm still the mindset of there are two there are two Riddlers in Batman Forever. There's the really good Jim Carrey sticking to script Riddler, and then there's the it's okay I guess Jim Carrey improvising Riddler. <laughs> the it's one of those it's one of those performances where it's very clear when he is and isn't in the script, and unfortunately that scripted version is just so much more what you want. Right. Exactly, because when he when he when he's playing it, when he's going off book on it, and I blame the I blame the sound uh, the sound engineers for this as oh, well because I'm I know fairly, exactly. you could buy that soundboard of Looney Tunes effects when he is blowing up the Batcave yep. at a Warner Brothers store circa 1995. Yeah, that. that was one of those things where as a kid it didn't even register and then as I got older it was like I was hearing it for the first time just going wait what the hell exactly (laughs) what the hell is this I remember watching it and this is like I I, you know my daughter has that finely tuned sense of what the hellism that I have (laughs) Uh, because I introduced her to MFC at an early age oh yeah that she can't enjoy anything anymore Um, I haven't shown her the Schumacher Batman movies yet (laughs) And I'm kind of wondering what what kind of evil science will come up from me doing that to her. What I th- I I would love to see you have her watch one, if not both, as a double feature, and then have her as a guest on an episode. 
<laughs> just so that way, just so that way, the world can join in with you in in enjoying her going. Just go. Wh- <laughs> what did you do to this to me, Dad? <laughs> and she sat. She sat and watched a solid fifteen minutes of Snyder Cut with me, and she and even she was the one who brought up. Um, do we need to see them going up all the flights of stairs? <laughs> Oh, you mentioned, yeah. <laughs> yes, every single step ref is a, is symbolic to their descent. It's like the tw- it's like how many pages were in Dante's Inferno. That's how many steps he put in because that's how brilliantly detailed he's he is. God damn it! Oh God! How many of these characters can fly? <laughs> <laughs> how many of them can run fast? <laughs> how many of them have tools that will bring them up? Oh, jeez. Well, yeah. Um, so, so, what is your number four? My my number four is I'm going I'm going into the graphic novels and I'm going with the Hangman, also known as Sophia Falcone. Falcone. Um, this is a character I just find her I find it fascinating. Um, I love that you know her her clues that she leaves. It's very like David Fincher seven vibes that you get off of it but it's such high it's it's high stakes detective work for batman you know it's not just like oh i've got to solve some of the riddler's riddles to protect the city it's no i'm i've got this dead body right here and if i don't solve this puzzle i'm going to be going to the next dead body and it's the cops the ones that you know are actively not shooting at me, which I really need to thank them for more often. <laughs> um, but I, I, to me, she is just, she is a, um, she's just a fascinating villain and very against the, the norm in, in what we get from Batman villains, because it's normally the whole brain versus brain or brawn thing with these characters. But with the brain ones, it's they're always actively trying it's they're always openly actively being like I'm trying to outsmart you like I have to be smarter than you this is I'm literally doing all of this because I need to be smarter than you right and with her there's no communication it's just here's a dead body <laughs> yeah here's 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 the cop that you were uh that you were running up the steps with the other the other day while you were chasing Mr. Freeze there he is, hanging right there. He's dead. <laughs> Do better next time. It's just that. It's just that simple. Like, so I, yeah, I just, I love that kind of um, simplicity to a, you know, a villain where you're just, you, you need to solve it if for anything else to understand why they're even doing it. Right, right, and you know when when you talk about Batman, especially in the films, the detective. <laughs> aspect has been almost completely forgotten. Non-existent. The fact that the first Batman movie is realistically the only one to give him any detection skills whatsoever. It's in all reality, the his his the entirety of his detective work in the film world of the Batman of of Batman films is nineteen sixties solving Riddler's riddles out of the sky. Um, while telling Robin which buttons to press while they figured out the whole dehumidifier thing. Um, 
And then, well, and even then, Robin sol- solves some of those. Oh, God, man. It's like figuring out that Indiana Jones doesn't do shit in Raiders. Um, oh, oh, God. That, that, that's depressing. It really is a depressing fact. It's it's depressing, but it also just makes the film seem more brilliant. Um, yeah. Like, you've been rooting for this guy who didn't do jack shit. Congratulations. Um <laughs> But yeah, so you've got you've got that in the the sixty. You've got him off screen running a chem lab test in the eighty nine Batman, and mm-hmm. then you have him solving all the Riddler's puzzles in Batman Forever. That's it, right? That's all of his detective work, right? There. The Riddler's puzzles, though, in in Batman Forever were like like low grade Bilbo Baggins and Gollum style riddles, though. Yeah, but the the point was to distract him with the riddles because it was actually when he dis- it was like the little bits hidden inside that he then had to like the letter scramble yeah. turned out to be a letter sc- scramble. Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I like the idea of using, especially using someone you know that is not super powered, but makes him. Makes him actually have to work for it. I, I I like that idea a lot. It's the whole Zemo and Civil War Civil War thing. I like a character who can sit in the background and do everything without you noticing them, and they defeat you, and they never yeah. once had a shot against you physically. Yep i i i still to this day think Zemo's one of the best villains the MCU's ever seen. Easily top five. Without question. Yeah. Easy. Easily top five. Easy. Uh, so. so, yeah, so uh, you're number three. Let's hear, let's hear who you All got right, for number three. number three. So, I am, and uh, full disclosure here, because I kind of said I was going to be throwing this for a loop a little bit. Um, the next three are all inspired by the Harley Quinn animated show. Love it. Um, mainly because I, I feel like they did a fantastic job of taking the piss out of their villains. Yep. I kind of want to see that that bit of levity. I, I it drives me nuts that like we, we aren't allowed to have a more fantastical Batman story. Yeah. Anymore, um, you know. And if, they, if they're going to start bringing in B or C level villains, you know, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind that if they can build a decent story around them and maybe have some fun for a change. Oh, with absolutely. Batman. Same thing, you know, I mentioned MODOK earlier. MODOK does a great job with that. It's just yeah. they embrace the ridiculousness of of a lot of their villains. Yeah. And um, so the first one I'm going to bring up is the most, I, I think is quite honestly the, I want to see him in a movie, in a physical form, but I want him as the character from Harley Quinn is Clayface. Yeah, I knew it. I knew that's what you were going to say. It just, I mean, the, the, again, the issue comes down to they want to they play up Batman as real world. Yeah. This is, he's ground level. He's, he's, there is nothing supernatural about any of this. And then here comes this big talking man to play, who, by the way, should absolutely want to make it big as an actor. Yeah. He could be anything, yeah. and he's terrible at it. I think that would be great. Hey, he I did just, a great job I, as Airbud. <laughs> <laughs> but 
that's what I want to see. I think the, the technology is there to make a decent looking Clayface. I think it would be fun, even as just the secondary villain. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. The, the hell, they could they could bring Stallone King Shark into it and have those two team up, and I would be I would be on board for it. Now, because yeah. for me, I would imagine that you could also go the route of the the series where he when we initially see, when we initially meet the character he really doesn't try to be in clay form once he learns to control it he he keeps like a normal guy appearance look but then all of a sudden like his arm will turn to clay before it turns into a battering ram or something like that um i guess the real question though is do you go full on homage to the to the original animated series, do you have Ron Perlman play return to play the role? I, you know, Ron Perlman's the kind of guy that seems like he's up for anything. Yes. If, if we couldn't get him, and you can get Alan Tudyk, or vice versa, I, I would be good either way with this character. Yeah, you're, you're right. Either Either one of them, it would be fun to see. I just, I just think too that you know, again, the technology is there. They can make him oh, look yeah. impressive, and I like the idea of, of even introducing him as human to begin with, and then just have those, those little like moments where he loses the control. It's very similar to um, the character in Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you have you watched Doom Patrol? Uh, just like a little smidget of it. I've I've still got to really actually sit down and watch watch it. You know, it's the kind of thing that I feel like DC does such a great job with these tertiary characters. I kind of wish they would just stick with them instead. But, um, yeah, he's very similar to Elastigirl. Elastigirl had an accident, and she has to use all of her concentration to hold herself together before Mm -hmm. she just starts melting into this blob. Hmm. Think that that would be. I think using that that same type of of control mechanism for for Clayface would be fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you know, as a live action character, so well, I will be down completely for that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of lot of fun options that yeah. you could do with that. Um, so yeah, so so my number three is Man Bat. Ooh. I want me some man bat on screen. I, I, ever since I was a kid, he's been one of my favorite characters because I think he's terrifying um, and also just sort of a brilliant foil to to Batman. I think he kind of creates a sort of Jekyll and Hyde imagery when when it's the two of them versus each other. Um, and then on, on top of all the, the, the obvious stuff of, you know, what you could do with, with Dr. Kurt and what you could do with, um, with, you know, the, giving it a, maybe a horror element or parallels and stuff like that. You could, it opens up a really fun option, some really fun options for unique, different, um, action sequences and fight sequences than what you what we really see in superhero movies. Yeah. Like I mean I for for the I know for the stories that that I sent you uh 
one of the big final fights with Man Bat is in and out of a flying helicopter. Like, it's it's Batman and Man Bat basically hanging off, fighting inside, like, swinging around it, all sorts of stuff like that, on a helicopter while it's in flight. And, that like, you have the ability to do stuff like that. You know, if you've got, if you've got someone who's embracing, um, you know, embracing the spectacle and embracing the less than realistic, you could even bring in the animated series Gotham Blimp that is up there for no discernible reason. Um, (laughs) so that way they could, you know, their fight could be on the top of that. Like the, it's, it's a character that offers up a lot of possibilities um, one of the really fun possibilities that I think you could have with it, because I think he, I think he would be perfect in this time right now for it, is I think you cast when he's in his human form. I think you cast Mark Hamill. Ooh. I think I think he is perfect to play the the scientist. Ver, you know, the when he's not transformed. I I think he's I'm, perfect for that. That's a good call too, because that way he's he doesn't need to get involved in any of the actual action. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's practically seventy years old, so it's, yeah, <laughs> to do like you know action sequences might be tough. But yeah, I think that would be good for a number of reasons. I think you know the just the mere presence of Mark Hamill in any Batman film, mm-hmm. you know, in and of itself, just just lends that little extra. Nod and to give him that that type of role, I think would be great. Oh yeah, well, and I think I think it would be great for a Batman franchise to cast Mark Hamill if for nothing else to go. There, there's your Joker fix. Just by seeing that Mark Hamill on the screen, you got your yeah. damn fix. Now be patient. <laughs> like, you're gonna have to wait. You've seen the Joker before. You know what the Joker's like. You can wait a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, no, I like I like that. I like that a lot. Again, another character. I w- I just I never think about only because, sadly, you know the way my mind works. Sometimes I just confuse him for being a Spider-Man villain for some odd reason. Hmm. He's. I think he would have been a solid alt for uh, Doc Ock. Yep. Um, which. As, as a complete de- um, detour, just because I saw this today for the first time ever in my life, if you've never seen it, look it up. There is a, a video, and it's Sam Raimi pranked Alfred Molina during the filming of Spider-Man 2 by saying that he wasn't giving him what he needed, so he brought in somebody to kind of show him what he was going for, and Molina walked onto the set, and it was Willem Dafoe in full costume doing the lot, like doing the lines and all that stuff. And it's hysterical. Molina is laughing hysterically. And then as soon as it's done, Defoe has such this face of joy that he got to do that, <laughs> got to do something so silly. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. Oh. <laughs> um, but n- now that I've, now that I've had my detour, what's your number two? Okay. So my number two is going like complete, you know, Opening, not even first act, prologue, villain. Want to see him on screen. I want to see how the hell that they could put a living embodiment of Condiment King on this screen. 
Google search real good one. Um, going back to the Harley Quinn animated, yeah. they just made him out to be the biggest prick yep. in the world because he managed to snag the um, the wedding the, 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 the venue, hall yeah. That that kite man wanted, <laughs> and he's just he's this pudgy prick, and I just I love that. I don't know who I would cast. But it's just like the, the dude's entire powers are around food. So, of course, he's, he's not going to be cut. He's not going to look yeah. like someone out of a comic book. He's just going to be some schlub. But I would just I would just honestly want to see that as like your your prologue in the start of your sequel where you've established the characters and the fast signal goes up and there's Condiment King. Yeah. You know, just... Just making cops slip on mustard, you know that kind of that yeah. kind of thing before Batman finally comes in, and not in in like that Schumacher type of way. I want to see it done with a little bit of reverence, as much reverence as you can. Yeah, the Condiment King, but it just it was crazy to me when I found out he was in fact a real villain after watching Bat- Lego Batman. Oh yeah. Oh, I they <laughs> sat th- that was I. I did a test screening of that while I was working at a movie theater. Um, the the one that Alex and I met at. I got to do a test screening of that movie with one of the other managers. And it's going through all of these villains. And it gets to the end. I'm laughing hysterically that, they're, that we're mentioning some of these characters. And then Galifianakis going, probably worth a Google. Yep. <laughs> and... <laughs> And my man, the the other manager, literally just turns, yeah, Thomas, they real, yeah, every single one of those. Oh. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it'd be, I think it'd be fun. I think you could go either way with him, and it would be great. You could either go the way the animated series did, and I can't say for a fact that this is how he actually originated, but you could go the it's a guy mind controlled to pretend to be a supervillain. Um, or you could make it where he's someone legitimately trying to be a supervillain. I think you could go either way with that, and you're getting something really fun. And yeah, I think real fans that want to see the stuff they love brought to the screen, I th- I think all of us would just be so happy to see that kind of that love and commitment to just diving into the mythos. Yeah, uh, yeah, and again, without having to. Resort to okay, well, we we just have to do Joker again, or we have to do Catwoman again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of yeah, instead of going back to the well, diving into some new stuff. Um, yeah, don't and none, no one understands how to do Bane properly. That's why you know again back to the the Harley Quinn animated. I thought of it. Oh my oh, goodness! Wait, this is my Bane now. He's just an accountant. Oh my goodness, Bane in that. Bane in the Harley Quinn series. Don't you don't use the corporate card for assassination. <laughs> you must use cash. I blow up Gotham Stadium. <laughs> I still I st- I I will say they they have so many great little Easter eggs in that show. It's fantastic. I the the whole like having saying the Pittsburgh Steelers want are the have won the most games at Gotham Stadium. It's a great it's a great little Easter egg towards the Dark Knight Rises, um, 
that yeah, as soon as, as soon as I heard it, I immediately knew just because you know I live near Pittsburgh when that was. Yeah. So when that movie was going to film there, everyone was losing their damn minds. Um, but yeah, Bane's fantastic. I'm I sit on the train. I guess um, I guess that's one of two roles that Dave Barista always um, always interrupts them with whenever WB execs talk to him about something. <laughs> like apparently every single time any time that he's he's been brought into a handful of meetings now for other characters and the two have been like let's talk about Bane and let's talk about Phoenix from Gears of War. He wants to play Marcus. Which is perfect. Yeah. Like I don't know who you cast in the rest of those characters. Um but that that one alone is so per that one alone is so perfect that I want them to just start making gears movies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it'd be it'd, yeah. There, it's the problem. You can make an entire list out of just characters they've mishandled. Um, yeah. When you when you get into it, but Condiment King that would be, oh that would be fantastic. Yeah, uh, and just. Because that's a type of, of joke that doesn't have to be this this naked Easter egg mm -hmm. to screen. It will get it. It's just one of those audience response things where if you get it, you get it, and it will engender conversation in people who are not familiar with the Condiment King afterwards. You know, when 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 we're back to having coffee after movies and stuff. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I can I I can honestly I can see it right now. You're a bunch of people are sitting in a theater. Watching the beginning of a Batman movie, cops are chasing after someone. One of them slips and falls. He picks his hand up, and his hand is covered red. The other cop looks at him and goes, "Is that blood?" And as soon as that other cop says, "No, it's ketchup," that theater is going crazy because they know yeah. who you're about to introduce. <laughs> yeah. so. I, I think it would be great too if that cop is also corrected that it's like some type of. You know, fancy Dijon ketchup or something. You know, something. <laughs> we we for the rare bare naked ladies uh, quote that you that you don't tend to get all the time on your show. Oh yes. <laughs> so somebody somebody else has to be making pop culture references. It can't always be me. <laughs> no, that's that is fantastic. I think you I think you nailed a winner right there. Um, but my number two is. Hush. Ooh. He, like, he's one of those characters to me that if you get him right, he is so intense. And it also gives, the the other positive to it is if you, like, if you were to do it with Pattinson, Pattinson's Batman, which I think he, from what we're seeing right now, it seems almost like his would be a good one, even though the Riddler is in Hush cosplay. Um, right. Because once he's not wearing those bandages and he's showing his like surgically scarred face that looks like Bruce Wayne's, you're basically telling your 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 Batman, hey, you want to have a different character to play in this so that way you're kind of getting to do a little bit more, getting to show some more range, have a little bit more fun. Like both for the audience, that's a breath of fresh air. For the actor, that's a breath of breath of fresh air. Um Plus, there's such a great paranoia, and you could do it with Clayface too. 
But there's a yes. great paranoia that then comes into the whole, the whole existence. And you could get, you know, you could have that actor just doing a different voice or you could, you know, really creep people out and freak them out and get like, can you imagine if like Zac Efron's voice was coming out of Robert Pattinson for the <laughs> character Hush? Like yeah. it would be so, it would feel so off, but it would be kind of fantastic. Um, so yeah, that would be like, and I just use Zac Efron as an example because for some, that, that was the name that popped up into my head. Um, <laughs> probably cause I woke up from a nap today and my daughter had for some reason turned on high school musical too. And I had to frantically turn it off, but <laughs> <laughs> I just heard terrible music. I was like, what the hell did you turn on? Well, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> like, this isn't your normal terrible music. This is different terrible music. What is this? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that 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 would be my that would be my number two because yeah, I think you could have a lot of fun with it depending on where you put that character in your franchise. That opens up a lot of possibilities for shaking, you know, like messing with uh, friendships, messing with. Um, all sorts of different things. Yeah. So I like that a lot. And I enjoyed the hush, say the initial hush series too. Yes. So that, and that, that does, that fits within what's kind of happening now too, as you mentioned. So I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, all right. What, um, before, before you do your number one, did you, did you have any honorable mentions that just, just missed the cut? Not really. I was, truth be told, I was prepared to talk three. Uh, fortunately, I had, but so my runners up ended up becoming part of my top five. <laughs> so, um, so that way, you, you at least got my uh, Batman the animated uh, Batman nineteen ninety uh, treatment you know, for free. Which, yeah, and which, awesome. Um, but you know, this was this was kind of tough. I'm just trying to figure out where I wanted to put this in the conversation. Um, and again, <clears throat> a lot of it is influenced by how the character is portrayed in the Harley Quinn animated. But my number one is Poison Ivy. Absolutely. I think that you, there is a way of doing Poison Ivy as an eco-warrior mm -hmm. who, is, who is doing illegal things without doing what Hollywood thinks eco-warriors too. I, I feel that that's the biggest disconnect and the whole thing is like, well, alright, I'm rooting for the billionaire? Yeah. In the <laughs> I want somebody who is who just kind of like you know, when all the, after, after Infinity War, all those think pieces about, was Thanos right? Was Thanos yeah. right? I would want to see that. I would want to see mm -hmm. someone say, new Batman's out. Poison Ivy. She actually might be right. Mm -hmm. And you could disagree with the methods that she, she employs to do it. And especially if, you know, if I get Frank, the talking plant, I'd be even happier. But, oh, yeah. um, yeah, but I just feel like this character has always been kind of portrayed just like that. You know, it's like that meme of the crazy liberal, you know? Yeah. Just that 
bug-eyed, you know, upset, offended over everything style liberal meme. I really feel like that's how she's been betrayed. And the yes. way that they handle her in the, in the animated, I think Lake Bell does a great job with this. That she, oh yeah, she's having to correct people. I'm not ever. <laughs> Um, and also, you don't need to wash your plastic before you put it in the recycling. <laughs> I love that. I love these little bits. After she said that, I stopped doing it. Um, Same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just feel like you know, I want, I want a poison ivy where I can, I can see it from her point of view. I felt like the way they they go, we're, we keep going back to the Schumacher films because you know if you want a textbook of how not to do characters, Uma Thurman's. Poison Ivy was just so insane that there was no directorial like limits put on her. It's like, yeah, sure, just do the Mae West out of nowhere, even. Oh, that's great, you know. I I think I think she was a I think she was the right person to cast, but she ha- didn't have the script and director she needed. To mold her into that. No. I I think if she... Because I think... In every other way, she she is right on the money. Because the other thing... Because you'll you'll see people... They'll... they'll, Whatever, for lack of a nicer way to put it... um, Whatever flavor of the week... um, Female actress that they think is, is sexy... You know, now that now that Harley Quinn has been dictated to Margot Robbie for so many people, Poison Ivy is the go-to of, well, let's doll her up to look like Poison Ivy. Yeah. Um, and I, th- to me, what, it shouldn't be that Poison Ivy is just, like, some sex bomb to ogle at. She should be somebody who is attractive, but because being Poison Ivy gives her this confidence that then it's that that like abrasiveness and that confidence that if you want her to be sexy that's where it comes from yeah and I think the Lake Bell version does that perfectly like she's yeah. not she's not some like hourglass figure knockout sort of like she, she they animated her to look like a real body type Mm-hmm. Which is fantastic. She actually looks like Lake Bell. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so and but yeah, I agree. I would love to see, I would love to see a, a poison ivy that's treated kind of like uh, that the Carly from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, where we're oh, almost great comparison. Yeah, where we almost agree, we get it and we agree with her to a certain extent, and maybe even Batman does, but. Dealing, it's about dealing with the means that you know we got to stop her doing it the way she's doing it because right. some of the I mean, we've gotten some fantastic stuff out of Poison Ivy as the anti hero or as the reluctant or someone reluctantly help si- siding with Batman for the great for what they want to be accomplished. Yeah. We get so much more better material from her for that stuff than we do of just making her some, you know, like, snidely whiplashy villain. <laughs> and I think you get can get also get a lot more creative with her powers there, too. Oh, I think so. I definitely think so. And again, with the 
CG is so much better now. Mm-hmm. And again, Frank the Plant, just voiced by JB Smooth. I mean, like, you make that happen, right? You have to have Frank. You have to have Frank the Plant, and somewhere for all of us musical theater kids, at some point, somewhere in the background, we have to be able to see Audrey too. Like actual Audrey too has to show up somewhere in the background for us to see in the corner and go, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and that's not the composer though to also throw in just enough, enough of non, you know, legally actionable things. <laughs> I can't remember who has Little Shop these days. I don't know who does. I mean, it was written, the music was written by Alan Menken, so yeah. Well, really I, deal, you're dealing with him, I think. Well, I feel like the 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 '80s movie with Rick Moranis. I feel like that was a Warner Bros. It. Good Lord, you're going to make me think about this now. Yeah, yeah, it was Warner Brothers. So they they're probably because of the snap cases that the DVD came in. Yes, that was what I was thinking. It was the snap cases with the paper front. Which yep. were just the worst cases, and they stacked for as a nightmare. Yeah, because um, yeah, I know that we're getting we're getting a new Little Shop of Horrors movie musical. Uh, the only casting that I think we know about at this point is Chris Evans is going to be the dentist. Ooh, yes, I'm down. I yeah, I I'm sold just because we're continuing the tradition of taking somebody who it's going to be pseudo-uncomfortable to watch in the role, because you know they're just going to get way too into it. The same yeah. way that we had it with Steve Martin. Yeah. St- Steve-, Steve Martin, if you put him in a musical, he's evil. <laughs> what was he? He was, he was the evil Maxwell in the, the Bee Gees Sgt. Pepper movie. That's right. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I watched way too many YouTube think pieces on that one. Oh and my it's goodness. funny you mentioned Chris, uh, Chris Evans, too, because I drove past the, um, what used to be the Flat Penny Cafe, which was that restaurant that he was, uh, he went to in Knives Out. Because mm-hmm. I live, like, ten minutes away from that, That's the awesome. area they shot that in. That is cool. That is very cool. But, alright, so, I, let me, so, the only honorable... I have two honorable mentions that we haven't talked about at all, um, mm-hmm. so I'll just cover them real quickly. Um, first, Mr. Freeze. Uh, yeah. I, I just take away the camp, make him the sad, you know, make him sad and stoic. You know, just make him sad and stoic. Give him, you know, give him, a, like, after we've dealt with the first movie with him where he's doing bad things, have him in a movie or two after that where he's trying to do things. Maybe even save Nora. I know at some point Nora actually turns into a supervillain in the comics. Yeah. Um, so you could you could play with that if you want to, or you could just give him a happy ending. Um, whichever you wanted to do. But you could have him, you know, you could almost have him work with Lucius and have, like, Mr. Freeze making gadgets for Batman. That would be kind of badass. Um, but regardless, you could do, you could have a lot of fun with, with Mr. Freeze without necessarily making it quote unquote fun. Um, and I think you could, I mean, there's, I think if it was 20 years ago, I would say get, um, 
Siri and Hines to to play him. Yeah. I think like twenty years ago that would have been perfect. Um, these days I think just because at that at his age to the the wife aspect it would you would just have the audience too often going look you guys are not young enough for for us to be emotionally invested in saving your wife um but i think it'd be fun and then the other one and this is my this is my hot take is harley quinn i like i'm i'm sorry she the the margot robbie version just hasn't done it for me the margot robbie version has you know in the david ayer movie she was there so he could film her ass. And yep. then in the Birds of Prey movie, she just felt like she just felt like a lazy version of Deadpool. Um, which wasn't helped by the fact that at the same time you could watch that movie or you could go watch the Harley Quinn animated series, which was doing that arc ten times better. <laughs> um so I'd I would like to see you know, a Harley Quinn, I'd, I'd like to see all the stages of Harley. You know, I'd like to see her as the therapist. Um, I'd, then I'd like to see her turned and working with Joker. And then I'd like to see her as a free agent. You know, I'd like to see all those different steps, really see all those right. different steps with her. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, whereas with these movies, we fast forwarded to her, um, to her being, the the free agent version though i i to to the credit her offering to go re get get recaptured so the guys can save her in the trailer for Su- the suicide squad i will say yeah. i do like that that is a good moment that is a good bit <laughs> um that is a good bit and that lives in that realm that i'm talking about of what i would like to see with her but yeah yeah that's my super that's my super hot take um I've just never been sold on the, the Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn, but right. my, well, oh, unfortunately, I'm sorry to cut you off. I was going to say, fortunately, it doesn't appear that the Batman gives a shit about anything going on in the DCEU. Mm-hmm. So it is possible to double cast and get true. a different Harley Quinn in there at some juncture. Very true. It's very possible. But only after Condiment King. Who would I cast as Condiment King? No, 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 only after. Oh, King. only after Common King. Sorry, you broke up in a little bit, so I thought you asked what. I was like, "That's Sorry. your, that's your, that's yours to cast. That's your guy." Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So my number one. Um. My number one. This I, I I gotta say there. I will be so if if anyone knows who this is before I go into describing the character, please hit me up on Twitter because it will make me so happy. But my number one is a D-lister. I would, I would, I would admittably say. Um, but it is Deacon Joseph Blackfire. This, literally, the whole description I can give for this is that this is a this is a deacon that turns the homeless of Gotham into his personal army. To act out his will. The, just that whole concept alone of having this man of God who essentially goes insane and just is sending the home, like this homeless 
cults of sorts that follow and, and obey him out to do anything he tells them to do. I That just sounds so perfect for, for uh, any type of Batman movie. Like, I can't believe that Chris Nolan didn't go with the, he, he, I can't, I, I have to assume he didn't know th this character existed because there's no way that, that Chris Nolan could read the description of this character and not think, oh, this is the kind of character I want. Yeah. Well, I honestly shocked because I gave up on Gotham after season two. That sounds so much like it could be an entire season of Gotham. I gave up after my, after the third wink and nod Riddler pun in the pilot episode. The first time we met the Riddler. Yeah. I, and I, this was, and I was of the mindset of, I'm going to watch this show because I'm so sick of people not casting Donald Logan anything. So I want to make sure this stays on the air so he has a job because he's too damn good to keep not being in stuff. Um, but I got to the first time we met Nigma and we did. And Arthur, like, of just being like, enough of the riddle, like, the like all the tongue-in-cheeky, like, Star Wars prequel yeah. C-3PO dialogue that we were doing with him. And I got to the third one, I finally just went, no, I can't do it. I, I, I just, I can't. <laughs> I can't get through this dialogue, I just can't. So I don't know if the sh series Gotham ever tackled Blackfire, but... he's He is one of those characters that when I was looking through the different villains... When I was do back when I was doing my outlining my own Batman movies, I I read his description. I just went, I this I I don't think I've ever read a description for a character in Batman that I've wanted to see more. The good guy, bad guy, whatever. Like yeah, he he's he like the idea of just the people of Gotham not knowing what's going to happen, the the paranoia of seeing a homeless person, the like the the almost horror movie imagery of 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 this deacon doing these things and just the the fact that it's such an unconventional villain for Batman to go against. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> is just fantastic to me. And then, yeah, I think it opens up a lot, too, in terms of just the overall storytelling of just making the people of Gotham just paranoid about any homeless person they see, and that they, they would, people would begin attacking and killing those, the ones that aren't even affected by him. Yeah. I think that would tell a great story. Yeah. Well, and I also think that when it comes to Batman stuff, um, as much as as much as I don't like it in the real world... The Batman movies need to have more of a class warfare at their core of oh. what's going on in them. I think that would... I, I want to see more of that. Where it's like a legitimate class warfare of, you know, dealing with the the upper middle and lower class and, and the, like, where, you know, which villains are pitting, pitting which classes against each other and what the results of that are and things of that nature. Um, I, you know, I think God, I think Gotham is, has always been a perfect template for viewing the, um, the economic disparities and differences in America. Yeah. And I don't think that, I don't think any Batman film has, has properly approached that. Um, 
but yeah, Deacon, Deacon Blackfire, I'd love to see him. Um, and then because I'm slightly insane, but I also just think it would add to the terror, I want Tom Hanks playing him. Ooh. Oh man, that's, that's gold. Like, that, that for me, like if, if you told, I don't care who is making the movie. You tell me Tom Hanks is playing Deacon Blackfire as even just the secondary villain in a Batman film, I have bought my ticket. Like, for for sure, no question, no debate. I, it's done. It's happened. I'm doing it. Um, I know years ago he said that he would love to play a supervillain in a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. And the fact that nobody has taken him up on that yet is almost offensive. Like, how, how do you not see, like, I mean, this is literally the chance to have your own once upon a time in the West, having a Fonda kill a kid moment. Yeah. Like, it's your chance to do that. You know, it's going to be another, like, 20, 30, maybe 60 years, given how he ages, before we're going to get to be able to do that with Paul Rudd, his generation's Tom Hanks for adorable lovability. Um, yeah. So we, you know, we got a long time before that. So we, you know, let's, let's utilize Tom Hanks, especially if he wants to. Yeah. Um, now the, I think that'd be fantastic. Oh yeah. So I, I want to ask one last thing with the Batman villain stuff before we, yeah. before we wrap up here, were there any, was there any villain at all, in any of the Batman movies, that you never considered on your list because you think they did that you that you were just like no that with what they've done with it I'm happy with doesn't need to doesn't need to be redone. There were two, and they were both in the same movie. I I'm going to I'm going to hazard a guess. Penguin and Catwoman. Yes. Yep. I would not change one iota of their being at all. No. No, I think I I 100% agree with you especially with especially with Penguin. Like I'm excited yeah. to see what Colin Farrell's going to do because right. it's just the kind of what in the world is going on that he excels at. But Danny DeVito's turn as Penguin I I would argue is the best live action uh, Batman villain we've ever gotten. Right. Because it, it fits not only in the, in the tone and the frame of how the movie is filmed, because it is more a Tim Burton movie than it is a Batman movie. Yes. But I, I, I bring this up to everybody that I don't feel like an actual, you, you could actually get a comics accurate penguin and engage people with that it mm-hmm. needs to have that extra little additive thrown in and making him a grotesque making him kind of like just this pale fish man i think it's just you know a genetic mutant i just think that that is it was it was so clever to do mm-hmm. and it, especially in the time it fit 1992 perfectly yeah yeah i i there were just so many ways in which it was it was just on the nose with what it needed to be and what it should have been. Um, yeah. And it's still like, I mean, b- 
setting aside the fact that that Michael Keaton's Batman, to no fault of Michael Keaton, moves like somebody's first time playing a third person video game. Um, <laughs> setting that aside, Danny DeVito made the Penguin seem like a legitimate threat to Batman. Yeah. In a way that I don't think anyone had viewed him as up until that point outside of maybe the comics. The nobody really thought that Burgess Meredith was going to defeat Adam West. Nobody. I doubt you Burgess Meredith thought that he had a chance. Um even in the animated series, Penguin was just kind of there because he was a known villain. Um, yep. But then he's the number two. Yeah. He is the number two villain in the Batman canon. Yeah, but I, for me, he is he is at his best when he is an orchestrator of the chaos. But that film elevated him to legitimate legitimate threat, a legitimate danger. Which still to this day impresses me, especially as I watch, you know, as we get more and more superhero films, uh, that performance in that film becomes more and more impressive. Yeah. But, um, and now for myself, in terms of, of characters that I, uh, ones that I, I would leave alone, um... Live action wise, you know the ones that you said are are it. I did for half a second hazard a thought towards what if we did a live action phantasm, mm. and then I immediate and then like I thought that for like five seconds and immediately went. I can hear fans yelling at me. <laughs> I. Can- <laughs> I can I can hear them yelling at me for being sacrilegious and taking this character from the animated series and making her live action. Plus, just the general fact that we know, like the you would have to change who the character is, and right. not every character can be Jim Phelps in Mission Impossible, where you change the core of who they are and make it work, um, or change who's under the mask and make it work. And Phantasm to me is absolutely on that, is absolutely lives in that plane. You know, you you say you're going to do Phantasm and everyone's going to go, okay, well, if it's not her, I'm going to be mad. Right. And if it is her, then I'm wasting my time watching this movie because I know how it ends. So, I, for like five seconds, I (laughs) I considered her on the list and then I thought better of it. That Um, that isn't sound reasoning. Yes, but, you know, I I love that we had, our number five was, was the only parallel. Right. We, like, we didn't even have same character, it wasn't even like, you know, your number four was my number two or anything like that. Literally, we each had t- two faces as our fifth place, and then everything else was different. I thought, I think that's awesome. Um, and I think it just reiterates the point that, that we were making at the beginning of the, just the, the rogues gallery that we have here and how fantastic it, it, it is. They've got a deep bench. Yes. They have a very deep bench. They need to start using it. Yeah. They desperately, they need to not, not because it's Marvel, 
but and they need to adapt Marvel's Spider-Man rule for the MCU Spider-Man movies, and this is part of why I don't believe any of what people are saying, because beyond the fact that Feige hasn't said it, is they said when they were making Homecoming, we're not using villains that have been used before in live-action mm-hmm. movies. They're like, you, you've seen some of these characters already. You don't, we don't need to do them again. We're doing brand new ones. Um, and it, and that's benefited them. I mean, they could have done, uh, you know, yet another iteration of the Green Goblin or Doc yeah. Ock, but instead they did Vulture, and it was amazing. You know, they did Mysterio, and there's a little bit of a debate about some stuff around Mysterio, but there's been no debate about Jake Gyllenhaal's performance and how the nope. and the the only critique that really exists around the presentation of the character is the people that are sick of people connected to, to Tony Stark. Um, so it's benefited them. You know, they gave us just a little bit of Scorpion, and we've all been sitting here waiting in anticipation for him to show up. Right. Um, not beyond just the fact that the guy is a fantastic actor who they have play him, but because the character of Scorpion in general is, is a great villain for, for Spider-Man. Yeah. But if beyond amongst the 50 million issues with DC that I, I, I don't want to just <laughs> sit here and delve into obsessively, but they need for, for Batman and for Superman as well, they need to go, okay, if there is a live-action version of this character already, we're not doing them. At the very least, be like, okay, we have to do three movies without without someone who's been done before, and then we can do someone who's been done before. At the right. very least, hold yourself to that. Right. Push them on down the line. It's like leveling in a, in a video game. Just You're yeah. going to hit your boss battles. Yeah. And, I mean, how many, like, how many people... And, and, you know, and again, people feel free to, to agree, disagree, insult me, whatever, on Twitter <laughs> on this one. But how many people would get even more excited about a Batman movie if at, whether it's DC Fandome or um, actually going, you know, going back to Comic-Con, whatever it is, they announce that they're doing new Batman movies and they say one of our rules is no one you've seen before. Yeah, exactly. The everyone immediately would be ex- they, there would be like the hesitation that anyone has would be gone. There would just be excitement. Yeah. I I guess I, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> Um, I mean, I also really want them to ha- bring up a director and that director to go, I don't give two shits about Frank Miller's work. I'm not trying to redo it. <laughs> yeah. I want, I yeah, want, yeah. I, I want just one fucking director to not go, to, to not be, to not just go, um, yeah, I want to, I, I just really wanted to take inspiration from Frank Miller's work. Like, no, please, nobody do his work anymore. Just everyone. (laughs) 
it it's there's a reason there's a reason they wouldn't let Frank Miller near continuity guys just step <laughs> away from his stuff. Step away from it. It's um, been done. We don't need to see it again. Yeah. It's Frank Miller. Ever. So, you know, it's mopey, it's sad, it's brooding. Yeah. It's as film noir as he could remember in the moment. Um but yeah, I'd I'd I'm I'm cautiously optimi- optimistic for the new Batman film. Um, I'm bummed that we're getting three. Vi- you know, I'm concerned that we're getting three villains. I'm bummed that all three of them are ones we've seen on screen before. Yeah, I agree. But we'll see. Uh, again, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I just need to see a little bit more, and I. I, I am in the boat that they got the right guy to play Bruce Wayne right. and Batman. I do think they got the right guy. You know, people. I, can, I think so too. I'll be, I'm, I'm, intri- I'm intrigued. People, people can right. refuse to right. get past right. some right. shitty. People can refuse to get past some shitty vampire movies, but, but I think if you get past those, just like Kristen Stewart, you've got a solid actor. Yeah. Uh, that just needs a product, or you know, a. a something worth doing and a script that's good. Yeah. I so. agree. All right. But it's fun. This is a fun conversation. We should do this again at some point, but for Spider-Man villains. Absolutely. I would love to. I think, I think Ooh. once we've got some word on our, um, our villains for, for no way home, I think yeah. as soon as they give us the announcement for those, we can, we can do this again for Spidey villains. Down. I have a down. feeling. I have a feeling both of us can can very quickly make a list of five on that one. That that will um, be easy. That will be very easy. I don't even touch on villains that showed up Modoc either. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Um, but and as as always, thank you so much for coming. And, oh, uh, I, and it was a blast. Out. I had a great time. Uh, tell tell all the good people where to find you. All right. Well, if you're listening to this right now, the same app you're listening to movies after work. You can listen to Geek Salad. We are, we are here as well. So that's Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all the places. We also have a YouTube channel, Geek Salad Podcast, where we do weekly movie reviews. Um, and we are on Twitter. We're most active on Twitter at Geek Salad Radio and on Facebook at Geek Salad Podcast. And we still have a merch store at Public, which is just using the keyword Geek Salad Podcast. You can find all the fun stuff. There are new designs in the pipeline. I'm just waiting on final approval from... The rest of my pasty white team to uh, decide whether or not they like the design or not. I'm intrigued. I've I've actually been enjoying been enjoying my uh, my Walmart brand Dr Pepper out of my Geek Salad mug this whole episode. So. Very nice, very nice. Yes, I. Uh, it's like my every other day coffee mug. So. <laughs> It's, I switch between that one and then I have a girl power one with a bunch of DC um, female superheroes on it. Cool. So I, I yo-yo between the two of those. Awesome. Yeah, I have that and I have one of my wife got me. It's a Yoda best uh, podcaster. It's got a little Yoda on it. So nice. It's adorable. I drink whiskey out of that one too. So, But thank you so much for having me. I really, I had a great time. Absolutely. It, it's always fun to have you. And, and guys, if you enjoyed listening, you know, obviously take a, take a listen to, to geek salad, but also if you enjoyed listening to him, we we've had him on a bunch of other times. I feel like by now 
I, I have to, I'll have to go and look, but e- even if we count the, the two-parters as one, I feel like you've got to be right on the cusp, if not into the five-timers club, uh, which I think you'll be our inaugural, inaugural member for that. I think I'm getting damn close. I've done... No, this is number four. If you're not counting the two-parters... Okay. Um, and I think the only confusion is because you and I did the Justice League thing on my channel. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was that was some therapy right there. That it was. was some it still didn't even. It didn't go as, as half as long as that four-hour thing. Yes. Went, so. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, guys, if you if you want to see my rantings, ravings, ramblings, um. And all that that good stuff. You can go onto Twitter at Movies Work to talk to us, or Movies After Work at Gmail dot com. If your insults are particularly long, just make sure they're creative. Uh, if you are listening to the show right now, you can listen to other episodes, including other ones Andy has been on. Uh, on whatever you're listening to, if you want to break away from that, and go somewhere else. We've got Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, so many others. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Movies After Work. I am Thomas. Make sure you tell your grandparents you love them. Be kind, be safe, and have a good day at work. Thanks, guys. Did you hear that? Who's out there? Oh, it's you, a podcast listener. Well, I'm John. Oh, you really scared us. I'm Holly, and we host the Mystery of the Week podcast. Guided by curiosity. We creep through the shadows to uncover the strange and unexplained. Do ghosts use toilets? Is my dad Bigfoot? We are here to ask the big questions and seek answers by deep diving into a mystery or discussing personal experiences. Mystery of the Week is available wherever you listen to podcasts or visit MOTWpodcast.com. Bigfoot bless ya!